My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I am very, very excited to welcome a new mom friend into the Just a Mom studio. And her name is Trisha, and we were introduced by a mutual friend. And Trisha has been very generous in offering to share the story of her parenting journey with her daughter's uh, mental health issues. So, Trisha, thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the Just a Mom podcast. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for all of your work you've done for um, bringing awareness to mental health. It's definitely something we're all working together on, and I'm really glad to have so many people in the community who are willing to share their stories, and hopefully that helps break down some of the stigma and barriers to access that we've experienced over the past however many years, so thanks again. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your family? Okay. Um, I've been married for 26 years, and... um, we lived in northern Illinois, and we have two daughters, and we moved to our new area um, about three and a half years ago, and um, our oldest daughter is 17, and our younger daughter is 12, almost 13. We also have um, a very unique dynamic to our family that... Um, My parents came to live with us about three years ago, and um, my dad had dementia, and he has since passed, but my mom still lives with us. Did they live in northern Illinois with you before you moved to Kansas City? They did not. They actually lived in eastern Tennessee. Excellent. So what brought you to the Kansas City area? My husband's job. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Were, was this a move that you were excited about or nervous about? Yeah, I was excited for a change, um, but I also knew that change could be very hard on a family that was already experiencing difficulties with mental health issues. Let's dive into that. Tell me what you mean by your family was already experiencing some mental health difficulties. So our oldest daughter, Sydney, um, has struggled with mental health uh, pretty much her whole life, I I would say. Um, I remember she was, I want to say she was 18 months old, and I had her in a parent-taught class, and um, they had asked the parents to go out in the hallway for a parent meeting while the students were playing and getting to know each other and all this and all the other students were doing what they were supposed to be doing and there was a long window on the door and Sydney had herself plastered to the door crying kicking screaming and um 
I just I just remember thinking to myself, well, that's not good. No other, you know, no other kids are doing this in there. And um, I, w- I wasn't like super concerned about it at that point because she was so young. Um, and then once she got a little bit older, I started noticing that when we would have any sort of behavior problems, I would put her in tr- or try to put her into timeout. And it was not working. Nothing would like I couldn't get her to stay there. Um, it didn't help. So I really was kind of at a loss. I started asking other parent friends, like, how do you, what do you do with this situation? And also my sister had a son that was very close to the same age as, um, Sydney. And I was asking her like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to do any sort of corrections. And I started trying to give her as many options as like choices when, she could have a choice. And that still didn't seem to help. So time kind of went on and she was actually in preschool. And when we would pull up to the school, um, she did not want to get out of the car. And then it started to become more of a problem the night before, where she did not want to go to sleep. And then it got to the point where she didn't want to eat dinner. And I didn't understand that it was all because she was anxious about going to school. Um, The school kind of said to me, wow, she really enjoys spending time with you. It'll change. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep the routine. Keep showing up. And I did. And (laughs) it didn't change. And I did not know what to do. I was asking anybody that would listen, I was asking them for help. And everybody kept saying that she would grow out of it. And because she was three, four, five years old at this yes. time? Yes. Yeah. She was three. And when she got to preschool, how did she act? Was she anxious the whole time? Was she crying? Was she engaged in activities? So that was the really hard thing that I could not understand was once she finally got into the building and got settled in the classroom, she was learning and she was participating. So the teachers all said that it was separation anxiety from what they could see and that the routine was super important to keep her coming and um, to do some short stays like with a sitter and we had been doing that and we had seen a little bit of this but not near as much as when the school started I was a stay-at-home mom so it wasn't like a need for like a daycare um, situation but she um she did settle into a somewhat of a routine where it wasn't as bad um probably after about two and a half weeks She's really young and not wanting to sleep, not wanting to eat dinner because she's so anxious about going to preschool the next day, is what you're saying. Yes. And that never changed. It didn't. We had some good, like we had, we would have good times or good spells where school wasn't quite as difficult. Um, 
anytime that there was a break in school. So winter break, Easter break, spring break, long weekend. <laughs> mm, that would upset the apple cart. Yes. Yeah. So she um, she got anytime that there was anything out of the norm to the routine, it was very difficult for her. You said you were asking anybody for help. Pediatrician. Yes. Obviously, the preschool teachers. Yes. And everybody just said, this is separation anxiety. She'll grow out of it. She'll grow out of it. Keep going with the routine. And I finally, when she was, um, at that time, she was going to a Montessori preschool. And we switched her to a traditional school at first grade. And I was really hoping that because there was more of a structure to the day, that she would that would ease some of the anxiety of going to school. And um, we got about, oh, I don't know, maybe halfway through the school year, and I was just really noticing that things were just not any better. So I ended up switching pediatricians. Um, I It was a friend of mine that was taking new patients. So I was like, please, can we please switch? And she said yes. Um, and she immediately referred us to a counselor. And we started going to the counselor. And then by the time that she was in second grade, the counselor had referred us to a psychiatrist. Um, she really felt like there was... Um, more anxiety there that was needing to be treated possibly by medication than counseling could help. And how did that sit with you when the counselor told you that when your little girl is seven, eight years old, pretty young still? Yeah, it's very, um, I don't want to say it's devastating, but it's a, very much a blow to you as a parent that you feel like you've failed because everybody around you seems to be doing it okay and you're not. So I tried really hard to um, stay focused on what was the best thing for her um, and keep myself out of it as much as possible. And, you know, like if this is what she is needing, then, you know, this is what I need to do. Um, but, you know, as a parent, that's really hard to do. It's extremely hard to do. And especially 10 years ago, no one was talking about mental health, particularly in the elementary age. Yeah, nobody. Um, and I feel like at times when I would tell people what was happening at home, especially if they knew Sydney, they thought I was crazy. Why Why is that? I think the, the really hard thing for her was she could not say to us, I'm anxious about school. She, I don't think she was able to verbalize what was going on. So we were seeing a lot of behaviors. And we would call them meltdowns. Like, it was a true meltdown. And it was horrible and awful and um, sometimes they'd become physical. 
and they weren't happening at school. I think she was holding it together all day and then getting home and being so exhausted mentally, physically, and just sometimes she would just be laying in the kitchen floor kicking and screaming. And I wouldn't even, I would not know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know why it was happening. And if you asked her, Sydney, what is wrong? What would she say? Or could she just not even put a word to it? Sometimes she would say, sometimes she could say like, school's overwhelming. It's all overwhelming. But she couldn't articulate like what part of school. And um, people would say, well, she should be able to tell you why. And that's that's not true no and I I've learned along the way that people with really high anxiety actually can't articulate one specific thing because they typically let things snowball they hold it together until they physically can't hold it together anymore that's what she was doing then when she would get home from school. Yes. She just couldn't hold it together any longer. Yes. When you said she would become violent, do you mean, well, what do you mean by that? Um, a lot of times it was her throwing stuff, breaking things. Um, I, tr- I would try to redirect her and say, if you need to throw something, throw a pillow I understand that you're angry. Um, and really, I didn't. I did not understand. And I I was just really trying to fly by the seat of my pants because I, I didn't know what to do. And, um, and at this point, she's still not medicated. So um, we're still trying to just figure this all out. And I do remember when we were one of the very first times we were in with the counselor the counselor had us, I was in the room with them, and she had Sydney sitting on the floor, and they were playing with the sand. And they had like this, like little characters and animals, and um, Sydney, they were just talking. And um, the counselor was asking her some questions, and Sydney's playing in the sand, and she's like building this mound. And then she starts putting this fence around the mound. And all of the animals and all the people are on the outside of this fence. And the counselor, after they were done talking and everything, she goes, huh, what have you built here? And she goes, oh, it's a volcano. And she's like, oh, a volcano? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, so is that why all the people are on the outside of the fence? And she's like, yeah, it's to keep them safe. And she's like, oh, so what happens with the volcano? And she goes, well, it erupts. And she's like, is that how you feel sometimes, Sydney? And she's like, yeah, I I feel like a volcano. And... As a parent, that's super hard to sit there and hear your young child saying that they feel like a volcano. 
and that they've built a fence around themselves to keep everybody safe. I can't imagine how hard that would be. And and just seeing your face relive this, this was what, nine, ten years ago probably, and how painful it still is for you to relive that. Yeah. So I think that at that point I knew that things were a lot more serious than I had really – it was bigger than me, you know, like – I knew at that point that it wasn't a parenting thing that I had done. But um, unfortunately, we've had a lot of um, counselors uh, along the way critique parenting skills, and um, and it really isn't about me mm. or her dad. <laughs> and that's so painful because you're going to the counselor or the therapist for help. And to be told that if you just did A, B, or C, then this behavior would change. Yes. And that's that's not the case at all. I mean, there is a difference. There is a piece of parenting about parenting the child and um, being able to distinguish when it is like a behavior that needs to be have a punishment with it versus guidance. Right. Um, But yeah, it wasn't explained to me that way. I can't imagine how frustrating and self-defeating that must have been for you and your husband to try these things that the professionals are telling you and nothing's changing. Yes. But then finally you found this counselor yeah, yeah, we're on a we're on a good path now. Um, and we had we had found a counselor at our old place um, that she could go and talk to. We got situated with a um, psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and they did like a full evaluation on her, and um, immediately said. No, this is this is like anxiety that is at an almost extreme level. And um medication is not a fix all, but it's a tool. And um and you know we started her on a low dose and we did see some changes, one being that she was actually sleeping. At night, um, before that, she did a lot of up and down during the night, a lot of wandering around, and it would just be like guiding her back to bed constantly. Um, but we we did see an improvement with that, and um, but we still struggled with going to school. And she's still in the second grade at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot happened in that second grade year. Yeah. We also... Um, started really noticing that she was not succeeding in math and um, was, she was having a very difficult time in math. And she was also having a very difficult time with spelling. And she started having, like, all of her friends were reading at a much faster pace than what she could read. But her writing was 
not like she could not keep up with the writing at all spelling writing and um so now you've got a child who is not only anxious to go to school but now they're not succeeding and everyone around them is succeeding yes did that feed the anxiety very much so so I feel like you know we had started a medication but I don't know that we were really seeing you know like because there was so much more anxiety I don't know that we were really seeing that much improvement what did you do in terms of the schoolwork to try to help her succeed at that point we did a lot of tutoring outside tutoring school inside tutoring in the school um we came from a school district that didn't have a lot of not, they didn't have a lot of resources, so we use, utilized what we could within the school, and then we just started finding outside tutors, and she was going to a math tutor, she was going to a reading tutor, and um, uh, then when she was in fourth grade, her fourth grade teacher came to me and said that she just really was kind of struggling with understanding why she could tell that Sydney knew the questions to things, but when she was asking her to write them down, she didn't understand why she couldn't write them down. And within a discussion, um, I was kind of just like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this, the psychiatrist again, again about this. Like, you know, I don't know what to do. So um, they decided to send her for testing for dyslexia, and um, she is definitely dyslexic. Mm. <laughs> Which was good to find out because it made sense why she was struggling. Yes. And then we could actually get her specific help. Yes. And, um, and she excelled, excelled greatly at that. And um, she did really well. And she's really, really smart. And um, I feel like sometimes that she's too smart for her own good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think a lot of us uh, parents would agree with that about our own kids. Yeah. So um, it was a relief, and uh, we were able to do the tutoring, and that helped. And I always felt like I entered a new school year with, like, okay, we did this over the summer, and, you know, we're going to conquer this school year. We're going to do it and we're going to do it well and we're going to have great wake ups and we're going to have good, you know, going to bed at night. We're going to we're going to do it. And it just never got any easier. Mm. Did she have friends at this point? I heard you say the word friends earlier. Did her anxiety interfere with her ability to have friendships as a young girl? She always seemed to have a few friends, but um, she definitely struggled. She took things very literally, and um, I have found out that, you know, sometimes I think as a parent you say, if I could just, you know, there was one thing I could change, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's um, – I, or if I could take that away for her, if I could take the anxiety, if the anxiety could be given to me mm. and she didn't have to go through it, right? Like yeah. I could handle it and she could go to school and, you know, 
do her thing. Um, and then I've just kind of realized that through a lot of listening to podcasts and doing a lot of reading about anxiety and, you know, I learned that she is only able to love the way she is able to because of her anxiety. Mm. I think she feels so deep. Um, and it, at such a young age, other kids would poke fun at that. So she was not able to go on the playground and see somebody fall down and get just like slightly hurt. That was like an event to her. And she wanted to help that person. And kids can be very mean yes. about things like that. Yes, they can. And that's so sad because what a wonderful trait for a child to have is empathy. Yes. Towards someone who's hurt in the physical, emotional, mental way. And for that to come back and be made fun of or ostracized is pretty awful. Yes. And that's really hard to be a young kid in elementary school and to be made fun of and feel like you don't have any friends on top of struggling with anxiety and dyslexia. Yes. So she had a lot going at her. Mm -hmm. Or how should I say that? A lot just to deal with. Yeah, I felt like we were always, and not like normal kid drama. I, you know, like I felt like there was never, especially like girls, there's just some drama that goes along with that. Right. I wasn't ever dealing with that normal drama. It was much bigger stuff all the time. How did things develop or progress as she entered middle school? Because that's such a uh, just a glorious time in general for most kids. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to meet anyone say, I loved middle school. Well, <clears throat> before we entered middle school, in fifth grade, we kind of had a turning point. Okay. Um, in the beginning of her fifth grade year, um, I got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Oh, wow. And um, I was so scared to openly share that with her because I, I did not know what kind of reaction I was going to get. And I just, I felt like, and I've always felt this way, that, you know, honesty, you just... We're a family unit. We need to be open and honest with each other with things that are going on. So I sat both the girls down and um, the younger ones in first grade. And I told them that I had, you know, found out that I had thyroid cancer and that I was going to need my thyroid taken out. And um, my younger one kind of made a joke about something. I don't even remember what it was, but her go-to is always making somebody laugh. And um, Sydney just immediately felt all of everything that I was feeling, and she just hugged me. 
and she's, she runs at a level 10 all the time. So when major things happen, she is right there. She knows how to deal with it. She knows how to handle it because that's how she lives every day. So I think that me telling her that was just like an everyday event, hmm. really. And she was okay. She was doing what she needed to do. She was going to school. She was keeping up with her homework and, you know, all these things. And that was in October of her fifth grade year. April of her fifth grade year, um, we had we'd started having major difficulties again. And she... Um, started having lots of meltdowns, lots of meltdowns. And we had been in communication with her psychiatrist, like, do we need to up the medication? Do we need to try a different medication? And um, she said, I felt like, you know, I feel like we need to maybe up the medication. So we tried that and still having lots of anxiety. And we couldn't, we couldn't slow down ever long enough to use any tools in the tool belt. Like it was just all, all constant, constant. And um, one day after school, um, we were supposed to go to some after-school activity. I think it was swimming. I, I can't even remember what it was. And she just stood in front of me and, like, was stomping her feet and just like, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And I'm like, why? This is what you want to do. This shouldn't be stressful. This should be fun. And no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And um, then proceeded to threaten to hurt herself. And I, I didn't know what to do. I, I was like, I, I'm not understanding. Like, I thought we were, I knew we weren't in a great place, but I didn't know we were in this place. And... The next thing I know, something told me to go into her bedroom, and I go in there, and she had um, a cord from a lamp around her neck, and she was trying to hook it. I grabbed her and I got the cord from around her neck and I just held her. And I did not know what to do. I called the psychiatrist like hotline number and they told me that we needed to go and have an evaluation. And unfortunately, we didn't live close to one. To a hospital? To a hospital that accepted kids her age. You lived in a place where there was not a pediatric, psychiatric inpatient unit close. Correct. What did you do? We had to um, drive into a suburb of Chicago. How far was that from where you lived? About an hour and 15 minutes. Mm. 
And we got there, and there was probably about a four and a half hour wait. Just for the intake? Just for the intake. Wow. So did you wait? So we waited. Hmm. And um, they decided that she needed to be admitted. And um, she really did not understand, even though we were trying to explain to her um, what was happening, she really did not understand that we were not staying there with her. So when they went to, like, actually take her to her room and we were to leave, she um, she lost it. And it was by far one of the hardest things as a parent I have ever done. Leaving her there. We knew that it we knew that it needed to be done, but it was um I mean that did make it any easier. You're not the first person to tell me that, by the way. Every single parent that I've talked to who has taken a child, no matter how old, to a psychiatric hospital has said the single hardest thing was walking away. Yeah. So she was there, I think, three days, four days. Um, and we were able to um, go and visit her uh, one of the days that she was there. And that was not easy. Um, she would She was able to call us at night. And, um, and then when we were able to bring her home, you know, we had to, we had to prove that she had a psychologist that we were working with and, and a counselor. So, um, we were in the middle of all of that and, um, she had, she kind of reverted back to not being able to sleep again. Hmm. When she left the hospital, had they changed her medications? Had they changed her diagnosis? What progress did she make in the three days she was there? They upped her medication, almost doubled it. Um, and then they, the diagnosis was still the same. They had done a lot of group therapy, and um, she did make a comment one time that, like, she felt like she was doing pretty good <laughs> compared to some of the stuff that she saw while she was in there, um, which just made me even more sad. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if that's why she couldn't sleep at night, but... Um, it was like we were on this whole another adventure because of the stay. And this is all 
while she's a fifth grader. A fifth grader. So 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. That's really young to experience all of that. And it just breaks my heart for her. And then I'm also thinking about what this must have been like for you and your husband and your other daughter. Mm-hmm. How did that series of events and just your life and Sydney being in the hospital and then coming home and not sleeping and things not really going all that great, how did that affect your marriage? I think there's been a few times that my husband and I have like come to close to getting divorced because we didn't agree and um and we didn't understand um and I constantly felt that there's there's so much energy going to the child that is in crisis. Yes. That you don't know how to turn around to your other child and try and make that up to them. I you, you don't know how to handle that. Um I tried really hard to know that she was safe. Like Sid- Sydney was safe and that you know, we were doing this because she needed help and it's okay to ask for help. Um, and then I, I would try to just give her extra time if there was any. Your other daughter? Yeah. Was she aware of all of the struggles and the hospitalization okay. yeah yeah um with sydney being with the outbursts mm-hmm. it's like there was no way you know like sure hard to hide that yeah lots of screaming what was your other daughter's temperament like or i should say what is your daughter's temperament like she is a people pleaser, and um, it, very much so then. I feel like she's kind of, now that she is almost a teenager herself, I feel like she's um, finding her, truly her her own personality. Um, that might not have been always, I think that might have been her coping. After Sydney was discharged from the hospital and came home, and she's doing therapy and seeing the psychiatrist in your hometown, how long did it take her to, quote-unquote, get better or stabilize after that? I would say about three months. Wow. Yeah, I, I think, like, I feel, because we, we headed into summer, So we were able to use the summer as like a good, and then she was switching to middle school. Oh, yeah. Good old middle school. Mm-hmm. How was it going into middle school? Um, the school at this point 
had agreed to give us a 504 plan. Okay. Um, and it was not for dyslexia. It was for social emotional. Is this something that you had looked into before or was this the first time you had really talked to the school about a 504? Um, it was, this was like, this was the first time okay. that we had really tried to get help um, going into that fifth grade year. And just for the listeners who don't know what a 504 plan is, just a couple of moms here talking yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm aware of what a 504 plan is, but why don't you tell the listeners what that means? Um, it's a list of accommodations that a student can receive um, based on their evaluation of that they might need a little extra time on a test or they might need a quiet test, you know, testing area. She got the 504 for dyslexia. Okay. And then when she got to sixth grade, I fought for an IEP and they evaluated her and gave it to us for social emotional. Okay. So an IEP is an individualized education plan. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And the 504, it's hard to keep those two straight. Yeah. And I will put in the show notes, I'm going to look those both up so okay. that I make sure and define them because I, you know, just a mom here, I'm not yeah. an expert, but I've dealt with those two. Yeah. But just so our listeners know what they mean. So I'll put those in the show notes. Okay. As a reference. But basically they're tools that the schools can use to help the child with either a learning challenge mm -hmm. or the social emotional challenges. Yes. Okay. And so how did that play out for Sydney in middle school? So in sixth grade, she, um, she did end up getting the IEP. So she was able to receive more resources. Mm -hmm. Um, in the classroom, when she was needing help, she had para support. Mm -hmm. And how did that work for her? Um, she did well with that, and um, I felt like she was getting some confidence back. And um, sixth grade, we did pretty well, and um, she was able to be a part of the swim team sixth grade, and she. Um, She's an amazing swimmer, and uh, so that was very fun for her to be able to go and excel at something yes. at school. Um, and then seventh grade, too, she did okay. Uh, seventh grade was when we found out that we were going to be moving, and um, I think she was very excited about that. Where We were able to come and tour her new school, and it was like the fourth of the size of her current school. So she was very excited that it was smaller and um, less kids in the hallway. That was very anxiety-driven for her to have lots of kids in the hallway. Um, so she was, she was excited to be moving. Good. That's not always the case. So that's that was probably encouraging to you and your husband. Yes. You make the move to the Kansas City area. Mm -hmm. Was this mid-year after seventh grade? 
my stipulation was we were not going to move in the middle of the school year. We were going to move during the summer and get established and be able to start a new school year at a new school. Okay. So you moved over the summer then. Yes. And she started school in August mm-hmm. at the new school as an eighth grader. Yep. How was that? It was good. I feel like the first two weeks went really well. I always feel very um, cautious of being super excited that things are going well. And I, I tend to not even say that things are going well because I feel like that's the um, indicator that things are going to start to go bad. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. So she was doing pretty well, and um, she had an amazing team of uh, support team at her middle school that um, really encouraged her. It was the first time I really saw Sydney blossom academically, and I think it was really because of the support that she was given. There were still the struggles to go to school, but it wasn't as significant. Do you think that was because she was having some academic success, so it wasn't so anxiety-producing? Yeah. Um, I feel like before, people would say, well, you have this accommodation, you could use it. But then there was always these hoops we had to jump through in order for her to use the accommodation. Um, Her eighth grade year... They meant it. So if she didn't have to read in front of the class, she didn't have to read in front of the class. If she was having an anxious moment and needed to go to the resource room, she was able to get up and leave and go to the resource room. So I think that she was really starting to feel comfortable in using the accommodations that they had given her. And then we had winter break. Coming back from break, wasn't so great but then we were slowly getting back into a routine again and then um we had planned on moving my parents in with us over spring break and this is spring break 2020 oof yep we all remember that (laughs) I hadn't put that together yet, so mm, that's all you got to say. Uh, um, <sighs> I distinctly remember pulling up with a U-Haul truck in front of my house with my parents, my sister, my two girls, and the neighborhood kids had run outside and said, school is canceled for the rest of the year, and everybody got out. And I thought to myself, I might just keep driving. This is the first of a two-part series with Trisha. My conversation with Trisha will continue on episode three, which will be live on May 30th. Make sure and share these episodes. And thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988.
clouds that keep covering up the sun I want to see you smile again Take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.